0: Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode 113. This week we talk with Harry and Mishai about NuGet, .NET Core is finally here, TypeScript 2.0 announced, and how someone cracked a keylogger and ended up in someone's mailbox.
1: This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics, providing tools and solutions to accelerate design, development, insights, and collaboration for any organization.
0: This week we have Harry and Yishai NuGet Masters. Harry's the PM and Yishai is the engineering manager. Welcome, guys.
2: Thanks. Hey, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show.
0: Yeah. Hey, Carl, what do we have for the Infragistics Ultimate Winner of the Week?
1: This week, we got email from Louise Adelson Esbon. Yep. And he said, hey, guys, I'm a little late to your shows. Too much stuff happening, but I can't let this episode pass without a comment. (laughs) I was listening to your episode, Peer to Peer Using Tali, and you were discussing about using unit tests. First, I was shocked, too, when Jason said unit tests are dead. Maybe I said that, but either way, one of us did say it. I
0: said it. I said it. I specifically remember it.
1: And started to think about what I missed. At least now I know I'm not wrong. Coincidentally, this week I got a pull request rejected. This code was about creating unit tests for our project. The project is still in the POC stage, but it needed to move forward as tests are important. And he got rejected because his tests were dumb tests. They were just covered lines of code, and the manager said he was rejecting him because he wanted the test to become better. He didn't care about the code coverage. He said what matters is the behavior coverage, and this made him think a lot about that theme, and it was started making sense. Our tests do not need to cover every line of code. They need to cover the behaviors. Um, The other thing that he didn't know is Jason was colorblind, and last week uh, he saw a video about glasses to help people uh, with colorblind they see it and if we didn't know about it there's a website uh you can go to inchroma.com. It says they're a bit expensive but if it works it's a life changer
0: yeah so i can address all of these so i did say unit tests are dead and if you listen to the episode right after that i actually said that i was totally wrong because during during the editing process i was like what the heck was i thinking Uh, so anyway, uh, I don't think that they're dead and I think you're dead on, it really is about behavior coverage and just making sure that your code does what it do and actually or what, what you think it should do. And then also go back and listen to our, that conference episode from, I I guess it's coming, uh, it's about a a year ago that, that, that that came out
1: August, 2015.
0: Yeah. When we talked to uncle Bob Martin and actually we had a really good conversation at that point as well. And it's about, you know, validating your expectations and then the fact that you will actually be faster at writing code so um your code getting rejected might have slowed things down in this case but in the future i believe that's actually going to speed up your your coding uh writing those tests around the same time so yeah i i don't know i was i was on something at that point um, so I, I absolutely think tests are important. I, I guess my comment was really directed at it just seemed like people seems to me like people talk about it less or like new things come out and testing is always something that's just on the back burner. It's like do this cool new thing and you know we haven't quite figured out tests first. Um, things like angular are are I guess, um, counter examples to that where they built testing right in, which is really awesome. So hopefully that becomes, you know, just more of a, a part of the development process right from the from the beginning. So yeah, test. everybody listening should be testing. Uh, and then yes, i am I am colorblind and I actually knew about these glasses, and I have actually tried them. and i I guess I have a, a couple comments. Um, so first of all, Pretty much everybody who listens to this show, whether you know it or not, actually is colorblind because there are people that have, I can't remember if it's a cone or a rod, whichever one is for day vision. Uh, there are people on this planet, there's a small handful, I think less than like 10 because uh, of how rare it is, that actually have an extra one and they can see colors that you can't see. So guess what? You are colorblind. So if you ever wondered what it was like to be colorblind, well, <laughs> you tell me because I have people ask me like, what's that like? Well, you can tell me you are also colorblind compared to those other people. And guess what? It doesn't seem any, it doesn't seem weird or anything, does it? Um, it's just that people are, from my perspective, people are saying, look, those two things are different colors. I'm like, no, they look the same. And you know, things tend to blur together, blue and purple, for example, colors like that. And whenever you hear somebody is red, green, blind, that doesn't mean that they can't tell red and green apart. It doesn't work like that. So we, we could do probably half an episode on colorblindness. I don't want to do that. But uh, yeah, I did try those glasses. I, it, some things looked really, you know, very different to me. It was, it was a really cool experience. Um, I did go online after that and I started reading about other people's experiences and who they work for and who they didn't work for. And what's interesting is there are these videos where these people just start crying whenever they put them on. Uh, it's, it's generally believed that most of those are fake um or or greatly exaggerated because I just I really don't understand it. Um okay so you're seeing a color that you haven't seen before. I'm not sure how that would make you break down a cry. It's not like the 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 kids or the you know people <laughs> that that can't hear and then all of a sudden they can hear or you're blind and now you can see. It's not like that at all. You're just seeing another color. You know if I had a piece of paper that was a color you hadn't seen before you're not gonna start crying. So I, I don't know. I those things sort of aggravate me. But yeah I've tried the glasses they're 350 bucks. Um, I might get them at some point. We just moved. So we have a lot of expenses. Um, I probably will purchase them at some point because they are pretty cool. So uh, I guess that's all I want to say about that. That way we can get to the good stuff here. And my kids are yelling, of course. <laughs> so there you go, Carl. Yep. So the first
1: piece of news, I think just has the coolest URL. So you can go to dot.net. So dot.net.
0: Dot yeah. Which is and- cool. Cause I've actually been searching for stuff for this recently. And I didn't realize I could just go to that quick address.
1: Yeah, so .NET Core was released. Yep, and uh, that that's pretty big.
0: Yeah, and just so people understand, the the .NET Core is released. the The tooling is still in preview, which is fine. Um, you know, you can actually go out there and get started. I mean, the it the stuff works uh, pretty well. I use Visual Studio Code. The experience in there is actually really awesome. You know, with full IntelliSense and compiling and all that kind of stuff. So it's just an awesome, awesome experience, in my opinion. And debugging. Yep. And debugging, which is, which is great. Yeah. I mean the, the whole, like, you know, go to definition and uh, the correct color coding, the debugging experience, it's, it's great in VS code. So that, that's super exciting. You can do it on a Mac or Linux or wherever. So it's just, it's really cool. Okay. Carl, how I cracked a keylogger and ended up in someone's inbox. So
1: this was a really cool article. I just recommend everybody hitting the show notes up and reading the full article. This guy had, uh, to be fair, he specializes in kind of, you know, getting spam, getting vulnerabilities and kind of looking at them. But he had uh, gotten this uh, uh, spear phishing email Mm -hmm. and in there, there was a a document and in there, he kind of opened it up uh, using a hex editor and noticed, you know, it said that But it really wasn't. And he kind of just kept digging in and he shows you exactly, you know, how he digs in. And these are all using tools that if we're not familiar with them, we can you can visualize them in your mind Mm -hmm. what's going on. And these are all just using straightforward concepts you can follow along with. Eventually, he got into some code where he was able to disassemble into some C sharp code. And he was able to see some hard-coded strings with usernames, passwords, and email addresses. And he was yeah. able to actually log into the person's email address who was yeah. trying to put a key logger on his Because it was like uh, emailing,
0: because it was emailing this stuff to the guy, right? That's that's yeah, why it so had it, his information. So
1: it was, it was trying to set up a key logger and it was going to email everything back to this email account, yeah. one
0: of the defaults.
1: <laughs> and it's just really cool how he was actually able to get back in. And, and it wasn't just like, right away but it was an email address that was forwarding to the real one he was actually able to get into the real one so it was just Mm -hmm. really cool how he went through this story and he actually shows the code the disassembled code and what it looked like and I just find this these kind of stories insanely interesting Uh, plus payback is fun (laughs) absolutely (laughs) (laughs)
0: okay so uh there's two quick news articles here about uh typescript and then we then we uh then we'll almost be done with the news section here so i'll go over this real quick um because we'll have a link to these in the show notes and i want to get talking about new yet but the first one here is uh, called i was wrong about typescript and here is why and it's basically an article about how awesome typescript is talking about some of the features in here and you know i love typescript um What's really cool about it is, you know, talking about the benefits of type definitions, which, by the way, uh, will also benefit you in JavaScript, which is pretty cool. So I think TypeScript has just helped out the, the JavaScript community as well, uh, making it so that when you're using uh, another component, you can actually get additional IntelliSense because it's uh, strongly typed. Um, and then he talks in here about different tools like linting tools and, you know, basically you have like a compilation process. So finding issues that, you know, during development time and, and that whole thing. So the whole, um, the whole article is just a, a great advertisement for TypeScript, quite honestly. And then the, the second one here about TypeScript is just announcing TypeScript 2.0 beta. Uh, unfortunately async await isn't in there, but there's some other good features, Um, one of them in here that I think is really interesting is, uh, non-nullable types. And it's really interesting that it's, it's basically like a global flag, um, which makes sense. Um, I don't know how hard it would be to like retrofit an old project, but, um, you can make it so that types in general are not nullable. So if you have a string, uh, it can never be null, which makes your code way easier because you don't have to sit there and always check it. Um, you know, so there's, you know, there's just some additional safety nets there in place. As far as nullable types. Um let's see here. What are some of the other things? Easier module declaration. So just make it easier to to define types um from, from external libraries and things like that. You know, going back to the typings that I talked about before, you can bring in like a signature essentially for like Angular and um and then you'll it'll, you'll actually get IntelliSense as you're coding, which makes working with those libraries way easier. So they made that easier to to define those types of things. And I'm sure there's even more features in here, but this was just basically the the announcement that's saying you know, hey, it's coming, it's going to be exciting. Uh, start getting excited about it. Ah, uh, let's see here. Oh, and then that was it for news. So let's let's just jump into NuGet because that's really why we're all here. So I guess <laughs> this seems this seems like an, a completely absurd question, guys. But I, you know, I guess we have to ask it in case somebody has been living under a rock for the past five years. But what is NuGet?
2: So a um, NuGet is the uh, it's a package manager for all Microsoft Dev platforms, right? And especially .NET in most cases. Mm-hmm. So uh, how NPM is to Node. Yeah. NuGet is to .NET, yeah. <laughs> okay, and NuGet is not just, um, in my opinion, like just like a a package management system. Like people have built mm-hmm. amazing amounts of products on top of NuGet, like Octopus Deploy, like Chocolatey. There's so many people that have actually yeah. used like NuGet Stack and the fundamentals to build their own products on top of it. So it's an entire ecosystem, and primarily our job is to make uh, .NET great.
0: Okay. And then even, you know, I see it becoming more and more important too, right? For .NET Core, like NuGet is like central to how you bring in other things. Right. Um, and how you, you know, because .NET Core is, is sort of, it ripped out, you know, all of the stuff that, you know, there's like a, the base and then there's all these pieces that you put on top of that. And NuGet is really central to that, right?
3: Yeah. So, so I think the big change in, that came from .NET Core, but now is available elsewhere, um, is the idea that the basic reference unit now in dot net is a package. Yeah. Where if you look at NuGet up until a year ago, NuGet was kind of an add on, a uh, bolt on almost. And right. you took a package and if you open your CS prod, it got filled in with all these long, ugly paths. Uh, and you start moving stuff around, they didn't work anymore. Uh, and if you checked it in, you had merge conflicts.
0: Because
3: mm-hmm. NuGet was not really not a thing. NuGet was just a delivery mechanism. And Mm -hmm. you put stuff on disk, and then we change your projects, and then everything was fine. With .NET Core and Project JSON, Nougat is the basic unit of reference, right? That's one big thing. And the other thing is the kind of the project and package duality. So you have a project, you reference the project, it's just like you reference the package. If the project has dependencies, they flow up into your app, and you don't have to redefine them. If you have built a WPF app, and you try to add references by hand, you always know that you you remember the first one, then you find the second one, then you compile, you find the third one and the fourth yeah. one. <laughs> and with this new wave, um, everything is transitive, and that means if a package has a reference or a project has a package reference, that reference flows up to the consuming projects and all the way through the system.
2: It's yeah, that's kind of the source and packages are essentially interchangeable.
0: Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that. That's really interesting. So, uh, what in what is the current version of NuGet that we're on?
3: Uh, so the public version is three four four. Okay. Um, the preview, so you talked about preview tooling. So NuGet is kind of revving with the ASP, uh, ASP.NET and .NET Core. Um, and the version that supports that is 3.5 beta 2.
2: Yeah. Okay.
3: Uh, both of them, so one of them is available in Visual Studio. Uh, in the other avenues you see them, if you ever type .NET restore, what you're actually doing is calling NuGet under the hood. It's just a very, very thin wrapper that calls the NuGet command line cross-platform uh, command line tool. Mm-hmm. Uh and then passes all the parameters in. So we ship with .net uh and obviously we ship Nuga.exe. Yeah.
0: And I- Okay. So is there a difference then if I well I guess there isn't because you said it's basically just an alias for those other things. So I mean, should I should I live blissfully unaware and keep using .net restore or should I be running the nuget command line?
3: And so for at this moment, this is a great question and we get asked mm-hmm. that a whole lot. Okay. Um in general, you can think about .NET Restore as a subset of Nuga.exe. Uh, for example, and in, in, here's where, where it gets a little bit interesting. So imagine you're running on a Mac and you just have um, two projects. There's no MS build in the picture. .NET Restore will work very, very happily with you. If you run on Windows, you can now reference a CS CSproj from an Xproj. So you can have a, a .NET Core app, but you have your old CS CSproj. Um, and I don't know if you guys know, but you can use this project json and, and um, uh, this type of restore and uh, this cool thing about how things flow up and how things don't change your project in a regular CS project. Um, if you did file new UAP app, you'll see how it works. And we actually support it across pretty much almost every kind of project today. At that point, .NET restore does not understand the misbuild and it, it cannot understand the, the, the reference, the project graph, and it doesn't know what to do. Hence, at that point, you'll use Nougat.exe. Um, and the plan is to going forward is to consolidate all that. As you know now, MS Build is going to go run on on uh, on Unix on Mac, just like the rest of .NET. And now, now eventually, the the long term plan is to have one one utility that works everywhere. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, it was nice being able to type in .NET Restore, but yeah, that would have actually what would have been kind of cool. And you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm just thinking it would have been kind of cool to see like. Calling and actually see what command light it was calling, because then I probably would have ultimately transitioned over to that.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we go ahead on this, I just wanted to say one thing. Like, uh, we, we talked about mm-hmm. where NuGet is available. Another thing, uh, like releases that we have, we have a NuGet beta channel. So you can go actually add the beta channel. Yeah.
0: It sounds like you're in like a tunnel or something, Seriously? by the way. I don't know what happened there. Is this better yeah. now? Oh, much oh, better. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. wonder if it's recording. Yeah. Is you're it better fine now? now? Yeah. I think it was where you were resting your oh, hand Oh,
2: okay. Something. So.
0: Yeah. Where's your hand right actually, now?
2: bad again Uh, is it bad again (laughs) yeah yeah is it okay
0: (laughs) it's whenever you put your hand down
2: oh interesting is this better now no
0: yes you're touching something that's doing it
2: is it okay yeah Yeah. oh i'm not supposed to touch the you know like the chairs handles for some reason that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah, I know. Hands up. <laughs> yeah. So I was saying that we have like a beta channel uh, that you can actually subscribe mm-hmm. to today, uh, where all the beta builds go out and it gets updated uh, for you in Visual Studio. You can go install your update. That way, if you really mm-hmm. want to stay current, uh, we really recommend it for folks who have like package authors who are constantly updating, upgrading to new versions. Uh, there's a bug fix that they want to get their hands on today and don't want to wait for an RTM release, so you can actually do that today.
0: Okay.
3: And, uh, so yeah, we have, we have a link for that on our website. And also we have another, we have a distribution channel. So if you go to nougat.org slash downloads, you can find all these various downloads and, uh, you know, if Nougat XE and, uh, uh, the, the, the extension on all various versions of Visual Studio, betas, non-betas, all that kind of stuff. And I think one pretty cool thing that the Visual Studio team did for us, um, is now NuGet automatically updates. You no longer has to go, have to go and, uh install you know, the next Visual Studio Update 3 or go to the extension gallery to get a new version of NuGet. It just comes down and it solves a lot of problems with people just being stuck on old versions and not able to consume new package features. So now okay. everything just yeah. When,
0: when does that process actually happen or do I just not worry about it? It's just always up to date? It's
3: typically always up to date, yeah. Since okay. uh, Update 2 uh, introduced the feature and Update 3 made it even more proliferative into more users, Okay, you just get new versions uh, when you restart Visual Studio.
0: Okay,
1: cool. So it sounds like with NuGet 3, NuGet is a lot more uh, essential to the development experience. Can I even develop my app without using NuGet anymore and still target the newer
3: technologies? Um, Probably not.
1: Probably not. (laughs) I mean, probably, yes. That's fair.
3: Let's be honest. If you're if you're a dedicated hard worker and willing to download things and install them and add to you yourself, paint. yes, <laughs>
0: you can do that. Yes.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm
1: just imagining, you know, you, you have a developer who's been working on some, you know, old brownfield application. They've been, you know, maintaining some web forms app mm-hmm. and just want to get started on something new. You know, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, from them, they might not want to have to figure out Nougat as well, but it looks like, you know, this is just baked in so much that you, it's just something we're all going to have to, you know, get used to that flow.
3: Correct. Well, think about it this way. The 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 Brownfield developer, which, I mean, take me, I was that guy five years ago when Nougat came out. I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? We take a DLL, we check it in. And why do I need all this Nougat nonsense, right? I had exactly the same, although I worked in the Nougat client these, these early days. And I, I don't want it. It's just pain, right? But if you look at it today, it's, when you try to add a .NET assembly, we have so many kind of uh, portable, uh, portable frameworks. And where, what are you targeting? And what DLL do you need to find? And what reference you need to add? There's actually a lot of discovery mm-hmm. that you need to do. And if you look at new libraries, they're broken down um, small. So if you, let's take an example, MVC. If you went to MVC5, 5, MVC5 5 is pretty much one DLL, all of MVC. I want to build an application, but I want to use small pieces of it. I, I worry about mm-hmm. memory footprint. I worry about performance. I just want to get bits and pieces and smaller fine-grained uh, dependencies. I c- you can't do it manually, but it's a really, really hard work to figure out all the dependencies, what worked with what, how do you express that, um, and you have to end up end up adding 20 assembly references.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, the world has changed, right? I, I remember the days when I, I'd write all the code and then maybe I'd bring in like infragistics or something like that. And I just shove in this and it, it was actually back back then it was frustrating because you like would run an installer, right? And then you'd get, but you'd get like this huge toolkit. So it was like my code plus maybe one toolkit or two. And I would just manage those things. And today it doesn't work like that. I want this little piece of functionality from here. I want this algorithm from over here. and 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 that's just how the world is now.
3: And yeah, there's another very interesting aspect with the kind of the shift for people moving to Git from things like TFS. Uh, Git doesn't like you to check in binaries. It really kind of messes up the um, the repository. Your payloads become mm-hmm. bigger and bigger and bigger and get out of hand. Um, so although we actually don't recommend anyone checking in NuGet packages or checking in DLLs, uh, if, even if you're in TFS, uh, once you move to Git, that became a much bigger issue. I don't want my dependencies. I don't want these huge binaries yeah. that rev regularly to be checked in and just grow and grow and grow my repository. Absolutely. So NuGet also helps you resolve that.
0: Okay, cool. So I you know I know NuGet version or NuGet version 3 has been out for a little bit now but what was new in that because I noticed there there was sort of a big transition there. I know for a while like Xamarin wasn't supporting version 3 so there was a little bit of pain but like what did what did what was the big shift there in version 3?
2: That's a great question. <laughs> uh. It's actually, when you say version 3, um, so NuGet version 3 uh, is just a new version of NuGet tooling that does multiple things, right? It still supports old mm-hmm. ways of doing packs with config. config. Uh, NuGet version 3, but also brings in this new concept called project JSON, support for project JSON. Uh, project JSON, mm-hmm. essentially, is a way where you can declare your uh, packages. Um, in a, you know, instead of in an old XML file. But there's a couple of things that happen. A, uh, we promise we don't modify your uh, project files anymore. Like when before, when you added a reference, uh, when you added a package reference, you would add an entry to package.config, and you would also add a reference yeah. path into your CSproj. That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, transitive okay. dependencies are not explicitly... Um, uh, it, it's not marked anymore, it's not flattened anymore. Before, like, personally, when I used to install packages in the old packs.config config world, I want to uninstall something, it's basically like a hit and miss. You'll try installing, uninstalling something and say, hey, no, it actually depends on something else, right? So as a customer, I never installed those packages myself. I just installed something that brought those dependencies in. So that's not a problem anymore. Uh, we don't let run any PowerShell scripts other than init ps1, this kind of prevents anybody from trying to like the keylogger question, right? Somebody could easily write a keylogger that goes mm-hmm. screws up your project or does runs malicious stuff, and we don't love those kind of things anymore. Um, Oh, yeah, and as uh, Yishai mentioned, a lot of things flow up transitively, so things become much easier. It's much easier to manage. It's way more faster than Packer config. There's no merge conflicts. So a lot of these really good things happen with prodigyjson uh, And a lot of people don't understand. Uh, we don't really we support prodigyjson in most project types. You could literally take your existing WPF app and make it run you and make it manage the dependencies using Prodigy.json instead of Pax.config. config. And we are releasing a tool really soon that's going to help you actually do this.
3: So okay. So for example, for the NuGet development itself, for my team, we've been struggling. We use packages config, and we felt the pain. NuGet used to be one, pretty much one DLL, and then like four little different apps, dot uh, core, and then four more DLLs. So it was manageable. Now we have uh, we've broken down significantly, for like twenty projects, because mm. we have people consuming individual pieces of NuGet. Like, how what yep. what is a version? What is a framework? Um, and we started feeling the pain, and we moved to use this project JSON concept. So we have a regular CS project, uh, basically a WPF app, which is a Visual Studio extension, and we use project JSON next to it. Um, and we kind of what we call dog food, right? We dog food mm-hmm. the pain, uh, and we try to uh, you know feel the pain before our users feel the pain. Yeah. Um, so not only us, uh, we moved this way. Roslyn now uses this as well. So if you go to the Roslyn project, it's it's not a .NET Core app; it's a regular Proj Classic, except package management is using Project JSON and not packages config.
1: Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Tools and Enterprise Mobility Solutions, SharePlus and ReportPlus, enable high-performance apps on any device, faster data insights, simplified collaboration, and market-leading security, all backed by comprehensive support. With Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Development Toolkit, you can ensure mission-critical applications delivering a superior user experience on the desktop, web, and native device environments for iOS and Android with the latest BI tools while wow your users with dashboards providing the data insights that they need when and where they need it, all at a low total cost of ownership. Try it today Download a free trial at Infragistics.com and follow them for the latest updates in UX and UI development, reporting, and collaboration at Infragistics on Twitter. And remember, each week if we pick your comment on the show, you will get a free copy of Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Toolset.
0: Yeah, and one of you mentioned, like, if I bring in, like, a third-party, well, I guess they're all third-party, if I bring in a NuGet package, and that NuGet package, package references something else that I'm also referencing directly, and if those versions mismatch, I think you made a comment about that, so is it using the one that I'm referencing directly, is that the one that takes precedence?
3: Yes, so, the algorithm is, um, we describe it in, uh, it's like a family
0: tree. Yeah, uh, and- well, that's actually what I actually was thinking it was, like, children, and then, like, grandchildren, right. and...
3: so. Basically, we say um, the closest win. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a definition that's cl- closer to you from your perspective, it's your first level dependency. We make it win over things below you. Yeah. So that gives you, as a user, the ultimate way to make a decision. Even though package owner says he wants version two of something and you want version three or version one, we will let you override him. Okay. Um We, if that happens though, we tell you, you downgrade it. So if the if a package owner asks for version two of something and you specified version one, you, you didn't even know what he was doing. You just added him. And now you're downgrading his dependency. We will warn you and tell you, hey, you have a downgrade warning here. Yeah. Go figure out. We tell you which package asks for what and yeah. what you do. You've
0: probably just broken the thing that you wanted to use.
3: <laughs> and then we have what we call cousin dependencies. And cousin dependencies are, are they're things that you don't see directly. They're, they show up in the graph below you somewhere and they, they disagree. And at that point, we take the highest, mm. uh, the highest of the two, gets, the
0: highest version.
3: The highest version of the two
0: gets. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah.
3: Uh, if you go to our docs, there's a very nice article um, that shows uh, visually what it means and what is the
0: resolution. Outcome. Oh, okay. I should probably read the documentation. <laughs> 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 that might be uh, that might be useful. A yeah.
3: uh, couple other things we did with Nougat three. Um, so we talked about the the fact that we written it. Um, to be a little more modern and a little more broken down so it's we can core reach to a point that it wasn't maintainable anymore. Um, so that was one thing. we talked about the project JSON which actually was introduced in nugat 311 okay. um, as part of the, the new UAP release in um, dotnet core packages. Um, it also includes a new package for, uh, format. So there's the idea of uh, what we call content files and runtimes. So with nugat 3, a package—if you use Project JSON—a package can define runtime, and a runtime m- means. Imagine I have a piece of code that does compression. Mm-hmm. That code can run on a Windows machine and use some native Windows uh, code or C++ code compiled to run on Windows um, to optimize the compression. But when you go to Ubuntu, that code is not going to run. It's not compiled for the same, uh, you know, the same OS, or you might be on a different processor. Um, so now we have a capability in a package to say, okay, for compilation purposes, here's my reference. But for runtime references, please include these DLLs, um, native DLLs of any kind and have them load and run. And, okay. and that's pretty much what makes .NET Core run on multiple platforms because a lot of it is just wrappers over, you know, if you do HTTP client and you go to Unix, use CURL. You don't use uh, Windows directly.
0: Win when, when HTTP. Yeah. I was just talking to those guys about this, <laughs> like this morning. So it's it's uh, very timely. Right. Uh, yeah, and I ran into that same issue with like npm, right? So with with npm, I was referencing a, a serial port library, and they hadn't they hadn't you know worked fine on a Mac. I come over to Windows, and they hadn't written the uh, you know like the Windows serial driver yet, mm-hmm. uh, the C plus plus portion. And then eventually they did, and I actually didn't change anything. It just started working one day. It was pretty cool.
3: Yeah. So so one of the stories. There's actually two two interesting story here. One is exactly the story you're talking about where things actually light up when a new version comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, the other story is one of the, the tacts that the .NET team is taking is have a default implementation in the IA layer. So you do mm-hmm. compression, it could be inefficient, but yeah. it works. Yeah. Now when a platform comes in and says, oh, I have a, Good implementation Optimize- for this. An optimization, yeah. Right. It can light it up and load that uh, DLL dynamically, and now you have better performance per platform. But you try to work as on as ma- much surface as you can.
0: Okay. That's pretty cool.
3: Um, there's a third thing that happened with nuga 3. Uh, and that is uh, Nuga.org was a site that was built very, very early on uh, based on OData and SQL. Um, and it, it has seen tremendous growth. Um, just the last year, I'm I'm a year and a half on the team now, just in my time, we tripled our, ba- our, um, download counts per month. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we started to put a lot of pressure on the database. Um, it also was kind of an open-ended, uh, OData API that let people just write arbitrary queries and write and join the <laughs> database,
0: <laughs> which that's always a good idea. Right.
3: Wasn't very pretty. Yeah. Um, so the team, um, it was actually the team b- before me, um, before I joined, decided to build a new kind of a REST API. So, uh, it's not all data anymore. It's a set of kind of fixed queries and links. Um, so we have JSON-LD technology combined with storage. And now when you go and get data, most of the data is pre-computed and it's just stored on, uh, in Azure Blob Storage and Surface for CDN. So now we can scale up tremendously for things like what I call machine operations, like restore, install, yeah, without any cost to us.
0: Well, that CDN has to be huge too. Right. I mean, for for anybody who was outside the U.S., I'm guessing it was not necessarily a, a great um, experience from a latency perspective. Then,
3: yeah. So we have a we have a pretty pretty good CDN. It's you know yeah. we use the Azure uh, Azure CDN for now. we it's going
0: to say, I hope it's the Azure yeah. one.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're actually talking about expanding it to more using more CDNs in parallel. Uh, that's okay. kind of the you know, if you look at things like Netflix and other things that have kind of high availability, they'll use more CDNs. Funny thing, okay. it costs you the same. Yeah. It actually might cost you even less in, in some cases. Yeah. Because different CDN providers works better at different regions.
0: Well, and Azure actually has multiple CDN providers. Right. So you don't even necessarily have to leave Azure. So that's very cool. Correct. That's the plan. Yeah. Okay. Because I think there's Verizon and Akamai. Right. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so, so that's it. That, yeah. This Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so when I, I remember
1: when NuGet 3 came out, I, I'm friends with a lot of package maintainers yep. that I heard a lot of people complaining either about missing features or just you know, a lot of gotchas with NuGet 3. Have have these been addressed or were were these just scenarios where, you know, these package maintainers just didn't understand the goals and how NuGet 3 worked?
3: That's that's a great question. I, I would say they're I mean, that's really why I joined the team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there, there are two aspects. So one aspect when Nougat 3 came out, it it was rough. Let's, let's be honest and let's, you know, let's not try to make it pretty. It was, it wasn't pretty. It had lots of bugs. Um, and the tact we took and we're still taking that tact. Uh, we're prioritizing first things like I want update to work fast. I want restore to work fast. I want things to just work and install and be smooth and, uh, there's a guy on my team now, just all he does is get feedback from customers on update. Customers say, look, my update takes 30 minutes, two hours, you know, 10 minutes. doesn't matter for them, it's long, right? And we look at it, we break it down. We figure out, okay, what area of the code causes this slowness? Because we don't see it normally. And then we see, oh man, you have a dependency graph that's 37 deep. It has 2000 <laughs> packages, which is something we've never seen. It's like a new... It's a trend, right? Well, mm-hmm. let's let's figure it out. It's, it, it's not that hard, but when you know that it's there, that pattern is there, you can make it a lot better. Yeah. So that's one big aspect, what we invest in. Uh, and then, you know, bugs, this was missed, this got dropped, we go and add it back. Um, that's kind of the, the the risk of doing a rewrite. The other aspect, which I think you're alluding to, is in Nougat 3, we did drop quite a few features on purpose. Um we think some of the features were a mistake. They became a convenience and a crutch. Um, and with Nougat 3, with Project JSON, we decided to drop them, and for a good reason. And let, let me maybe enumerate a few of them, like mm-hmm. what's coming back and what we don't think is coming back. So one thing that uh, people had is they had the installed PS1 script. So you took a package, and you put in a project, and you run a p- partial script that runs within Visual Studio. Incidentally, these scripts break every version of Visual Studio because they just use anything that Visual Studio supported. There's not necessarily a compatibility guarantee. Uh, we've seen packages um, like the T4 scaffolding package break every single release of Visual Studio. It's a package we actually, my old team used to write, used to own, uh, the MVC team. Uh, but it relied on something that is just not, cannot be relied on. And we basically decided to abandon uh the support for that
0: well it does seem i mean it seems yeah it seems a little dangerous to just allow yeah. arbitrary code execution i mean office already learned that lesson right now when i open a document it says hey this is from a third party it has macros are you sure you want to yeah. allow it to run arbitrary another code? thing
2: and, and the uh, other thing is that in the same vein is that the code could modify anything you don't know and it, it's even though our packages are really skillful, uh, the fact remains mm-hmm. that if you want to have a clean uninstall story as well, you have to keep every single situation uh, yeah, in mind, right? Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah. it, it speaks like, it's a significant amount of work to have like a clean install, uninstall modification, even if you do it.
0: Yeah, but and the only thing worse than writing an uh, an installer is writing an uninstaller.
2: Right. <laughs> uh, there was, so there are other two other big aspects here.
3: Can you guys hear me? Yeah,
0: yeah I can I, hear you. We lost yeah, video. I'm so. back. Carl, if... Yeah, Carl, if you want to turn your video back on, I don't... Oh, yeah, actually, all three are reloading. Okay. I started mine. Just keep going. So
3: um, there are two other aspects here. So one mm-hmm. was the principle where we don't want NuGet packages to change your project. Basically, I wanted uh, um, the ability to install a package into a project without touching the project. Because right. see what happens today? The install PS1 runs within Visual Studio, but everybody today uses a CI, CI system. And they use the CI system to rev the versions of the packages. To figure out if the pa- if you know uh, is the new version gonna break me or not? Do I get performance mm-hmm. improvements, right? Or I just want to consume these new things without somebody having to go and check them in manually. Uh, the problem with that is as soon as you have things that rely directly on uh, uh, Visual Studio implementations, things these things just don't work. You have to have Visual Studio installed on the CI machine, um, and that just doesn't work for people like that go to you know, CI machines that don't allow them to install dependencies or you need multiple versions of Visual Studio on the same machine all of a sudden. So, that, that, you know, there's a lot of people that just roll a, a new CI image every time they build. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that with Visual Studio. So that, that was one aspect. Um, the other aspect is with .NET Core, we're moving, we want .NET to work universally on Mac and Unix, right, and Windows. There is no partial install mm-hmm. PS1 Visual Studio over there. And there's right. never going to be one. So we moved to that mode where, uh, the package, the change, the only change you see from the package is that one single line in project JSON. That's the only change you're going to see when you rev a package. And everything else just happens. Write temporary file, write some files to disk. There's an MS build task that picks them up or a .NET Core build system that picks them up. And that's it. So that's why install PS1 was removed. Okay. Uh, very similarly, content was removed. So, the problem with content is is pretty much the same. You can add the content, but you don't know when to remove the content because there's no more explicit install operation in NuGet. There's just a restore operation, so content just can't work in that mode. It it you can you can say that you want to install content once, but the second second time just doesn't work. Um, so for that we did address the feedback. I don't know. We, I don't think we addressed every single scenario yet. Mm-hmm. But what we let you do now is we created a kind of a side-by-side feature called content files. What content files are, are files that get added to your project dynamically, but they don't change your project. It's just MSBuild adds them. Um, okay. The cool thing we did with that is now you can do pivot, language-based pivoting. So imagine people, a lot of people do source-based packages. Um, I think SQLite was a great example of a package that was, I just want two files of source. I don't want another DLL. I don't want the extra cost. Just take these two source files and embed them in my project. Mm-hmm. Uh, that worked okay if you're C-sharp because nobody built F-sharp or VB or C-sharp or then combined, it was just too hard. Uh, in Nougat 3 in Project JSON, we introduced uh, language-based pivoting. So you can say, here's my C-sharp folder for Net4.5, here's the code, here's my F-sharp folder for Net4.5, here's the code. Uh, and now you can build packages that are universal across the three major languages. In fact, it actually works for any language. It's just the C-sharp VB and F-sharper document and everything else just speaks the lang property from MSBuild and goes by that. Okay, um, yeah, there's other small things we haven't yet finished, but yeah. we're listening
0: and yeah. I mean, it makes sense whenever we hear hear from that perspective. I mean, it's tough whenever you own a NuGet package and like somebody does make a change like that, but you know, it, it sounds like there's there's some good reasons. One of them was the security of it, and then the, these more complex scenarios that you talked about. So it sounds like it should have really never been turned on in the beginning, but um, you know, the bandaid's been pulled off, so here we are. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so are we going to have uh, one question I want to have because we had there was there was this uh, like npm apocalypse recently where the, where like thing you know there was this whole thing that went down where people were pulling in nuget packages or not nuget packages they're pulling in npm packages that did things like pad left on a string mm-hmm. um so um somebody unpublished that package and then just like everybody's build broke and yep. and and it wasn't even that people were necessarily using that directly it's that they were using a package that was using that and just the the world basically ended that day so are we going to have that nope. with nuget
2: uh, no no nope. <laughs> so from day one right i think we made a great decision mm-hmm. that uh you know packages don't get deleted on nuget uh, you can yeah. unlist them. That means you can't find them on search or something. But if your existing oh, okay. package had a reference to a version, you always get it. Uh, there are extremely rare cases where we delete it, and that has to go through our support. Nobody can just okay. go and delete things that way. Um, yeah,
0: like if I check in, you know, my password or something, or well, it, it, it probably even has actually, to be worse. Uh, yeah, just,
2: you gotta really like it. It's very high bar. Uh, we yep. very yeah. rarely do it, and only for <laughs> very, very good reasons. And we also make okay. sure, for example, if that package is being used by a lot of people, no way! Like, we're not going to delete it. We're going to try finding a really good a a workaround or something that'll help the customer. Okay. But we just we're not going to delete packages that have high download counts because that's just going to break so many people tomorrow.
3: Yeah, okay. th- I mean, there's, there's, I think there was in my time here on the team, there was one time when we deleted a package with a few, quite a few downloads, but that was a, um, you know, rights infringement kind of thing from a big company. I don't want to mention their name. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with them, we spent, I think we spent two months with them debating this and asking them, pleading with them not to get to the legal state and. When it got to the legal state, we had to give up. Mm. It got deleted, uh, and they got huge community backlash. And it took, was very, very quick that the package came back. Okay. But it wasn't anything like, you know, we're talking about packages with tens of thousands of downloads, nothing as um, big as this yeah. one. Yeah.
0: yeah, you need uh, you need bumper stickers that say "NuGet is forever.
3: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually building a feature now to help people. We find people just accidentally push packages to NuGet. Yeah. So one of our big investments right now is a feature called nugget Staging. And the idea is we want you to push by default, not to nugget.org, You'll push by default to nugget Staging. Okay. Uh, which it means you pushed it, you can test it, you can validate it, and then you push a button and it gets merged. Think about it like a GitHub PR. Yeah. And then merge
0: well, and I think one, one thing that a lot of people don't realize, a lot of devs that I talk to, is like a NuGet server can also be a file share, right? So, like, even your stuff locally, you can you can actually take your NuGet packages, your local NuGet packages, throw them in a folder, go into Visual Studio and add that folder as a source, and you can reference those in other projects. So, you don't necessarily have to, like, go make this p- package public or, set, or go, you know, set up a private repo. Like, you can literally just put it in a folder and point to it, which is pretty slick. That's, that was a good decision.
3: That's, yeah, that. So that's actually another really, really good point. Mm -hmm. Um, We do see people that do that, uh, and it works very well until you get to a few hundred packages where it starts Mm -hmm. slowing down because what happens is we have to crawl through the content of the zip files to figure out what you have. Mm -hmm. Um, If you go to our blog, we have a a really nice blog that we worked on with Andrew Arnott from the uh, Visual Studio team. They had uh, 40,000 packages in a folder. And it took them many, many minutes to install a package. Um, so there's a new command in NuGet XE called NuGet XE init. So drop your packages in the folder, like you just said, mm-hmm. but yeah. then run NuGet exe init on that folder, create a new one that is restructuring the, the packages. Basically, it expands out the new specs and it organizes by ID and version. Oh, so now we oh. can go straight to the package and it's way, way, way faster.
0: That's cool. Okay. That was such a good one that the, the video started back up in yeah. Skype. <laughs> okay, so I, I know we got to wrap up here. So I guess, is there anything else um, that, we, that you guys wanted to make sure you mentioned before we let you guys go?
2: Um, yeah, uh, as we mentioned, right, there's a c- couple of new features coming out. Uh, for example, okay. uh, the uh, NuGet upgrader that's going to make it easy for you to move from packages.json to product.json. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, okay. We are going to respond on the expiring API keys blog post very soon. Uh, it is it was a little <laughs> controversial, and uh, you know, like Ishai mentioned, we our communication was not that no, was not good at all in that post. You know, we yeah. failed to explain why we're doing it, and hopefully we'll correct uh-huh. that really soon and send out a blog post in the next week or so uh, that explains everything. Okay. Um,
0: well, no, it's great that you guys are transparent. Yeah.
2: Um, anything else, Ishai?
3: Yeah, the last thing is um, so our focus going forward in in this year is going is mostly around uh, finishing the .NET Core, taking the tooling from preview to R T M um okay. it's quite a big uh, investment um so we know there's a lot of people asking for us you know to the filing bug doing great job please keep doing that give us as much details as you can on the bugs uh we're seeing them we like them they help us um tremendously if you can help us with repros i mean a bug that says this doesn't work is good a bug that says this doesn't work and here's a sample of how it doesn't work is yeah. much much better um that's great help that's to me that's as big as a contribution, code contribution. You're you're helping yourself and you're helping the product move in the right direction. Um the only thing I, I can say is sometimes um some of these bugs just don't reach high enough on the on the pile of things we have to deal with. Yeah. Remember that Nougat is open source and mm-hmm. if you're interested and have the capacity, come on, jump in, go to github.com slash nugget slash nugget client and you know you can help with the code. Awesome. Similarly, if you can just go to our docs. If you go to Nougat Docs, Nougat Docs is an open source project as well. Just scroll down to the bottom. Uh, there's a link. Click on it. It will take you to GitHub. You t- literally just type right there in GitHub and submit the PR. Whatever you want awesome. changed in the document.
0: Yep. I always I always recommend that on the show. So, Harry, where can people find you online?
2: Uh, we're both available on Twitter. WhyGalit's? Uh, Y I Gallitz, right? Y I G A L A T Z. And yeah, uh, uh, I have yeah. Dev at Mike, D E V. Okay, perfect. And, th-
0: okay. You could, and then obviously there's NuGet.org yeah. and Docs.NuGet.org. Yeah, and, uh, and we have a
2: feedback at nougat.org. Nuget, yeah,
0: okay. And there's the NuGet Twitter handle. Yep. We're uh, everywhere. And
3: and we have GitHub. And like we really we really appreciate if all the bugs go to GitHub.com NuGet Home mm-hmm. repo. Mm-hmm. We work a little bit differently than .NET and ASP.NET. We have a single repo for all client bugs, which is Nougat Home. The code is not there. It's just there's multiple repos okay. for code. All the bugs are on Home. Uh, if it's server issues, uh, github.com slash nougat slash nougat gallery. So the server okay. team doing the ops and responding super quickly to you know any kind of down events or my package hasn't published, that kind of stuff.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, thank both of you for uh, coming on the show. This was, this was awesome. And it's really cool diving into, you know, technology that I guess sometimes, you know, personally, I take it for, for granted. Um, But it's, you know, it's something that's so useful. So really appreciate your work and thank you for coming on the show. Thanks
2: for having us.